Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. John chapter 4, verse 27. And upon this came his disciples, came upon the scene here. Jesus talking with this woman and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? None of the disciples asked him, what are you doing? What are you doing? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto unto the men, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. And he said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore, said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought aught? have brought him aught to eat. Did anybody bring him anything to eat? And Jesus said, my meat, my passion, what I feed on is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not, say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already harvest. And he that reapeth, receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto eternal life. And both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth, another reapeth. I sent you out to reap whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye entered into their labors. I point you back to the verse of Scripture where he said, Say not. Yet four months and then comes a harvest. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Heavenly Father, we love you today and we thank you, God, for this service. Lord, your presence has already been with us. And and Lord, we can leave at this moment and say that we have been enriched by your presence. We have been encouraged, Lord. In the worship of your presence, O God, we give you the glory and the praise. But now, Lord, would you anoint this message to help us on our mission to continually reaching for the lost, continually striving to see the backslider saved. We are living in the last days, and we do not have a lot of time. Help us, God, today to be, Lord, laborers in your field. In Jesus' name, let everybody say amen. 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 I want to talk to you tonight about an unconventional 
harvest. An unconventional harvest. God bless you. You can be seated. Anybody here raised on a farm? Anybody raised? Look here. We got a lot of folks that have been raised on the farm. I was not raised on the farm. I know what a garden is. I know what going to places before dawn and picking up uh, uh, beans and different things like that with our family. I, I understand that. I, I think about having a garden and I get hives because my job was to pull the weeds out. And I realized right then that was not my mission in life. But there are lessons that we can learn from farmers and there are lessons that we can learn from agriculturalists. A harvest never, never happens without intentional preparation, without planning, and without process. A harvest is hard work. It's hard work being a farmer. The harvest doesn't start with ripe crops to reap, but it starts with a lot of hard work. Plowing has got to be done. Cultivating, sowing, weeding, fertilizing, watering, and then harvesting. In the field of agriculture, in the field of planting, amen, we find that you plant seeds and those seeds grow, and then you have to work that field and have deliberate action that will lead to the harvest. No farmer in his right mind walks out into the middle of the field and say, where's my corn? And he never planted, he never plowed, he never cultivated, he never worked on it. Where's my corn? Man, that sounds like some of the culture today of expectations that I don't have to work, but I get it. I preached a little message right there that you may not have gotten. There can be no harvest without soil and without seeds. There can be no harvest without toil and hard work, amen. But soil and seed, amen, together with hard work will produce a harvest, amen. There could be no harvest without that. A, far, a farmer has got to have that consistent preparation, Amen. They see the harvest, but they see it through the tireless effort and earnest action of plowing and cultivating and planting and watering and fertilizing the field that they hope to get a harvest from. A successful harvester or successful harvester can visualize his crops that he is expecting. Amen. He knows what will happen. If he plants and works the field, he is expecting a harvest at the end. But he also knows if he does nothing, he will reap nothing. An agriculturist studies the soil before he plants. He's got, got the seed that he needs, and so he studies the seed. Amen. And they look for the most opportune time to take the seed and plant it in the soil. 
I tell you, farmers are very diligent about knowing what the weather is going to be like. They study the trends of the, of the seasons and the ebb and flows of the weather. I will tell you there can be no successful harvest without good preparation and good action. Yes, there will be resistance. You got to get up early to be a farmer. Am I, am I saying that right for all you farmer folks that were raised on the farm? You have to get up before the sun comes up and you get home after the sun goes down. There will be resistance in the weather. There will be resistance in opposition to the working of the field. Obstacles will arise. Reaping a harvest is not just an October thing. It is a year-around thing. It is preparing the combines and, and, and working on the equipment. It's making sure that everything is in order throughout the year so that they can reap a harvest. James wrote in his uh, uh, book uh, in the Bible, James, the brother of Jesus, wrote when he said, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Be impatient about it until it receives the early and latter rains. You also be patient. We like that, don't we? How many want to see a harvest of souls? You want to see your, your family saved. You want to see your loved ones saved. You want to see your friends saved. Amen. But it's hard sometimes when you're praying for that backslider that's wrapped up in drugs and it looks like there is no hope. But the Bible says that the harvester has got to be patient and wait for it. Wait for it. Amen. But I will tell you, weather does not stop the harvester. Weather does not stop these farmers around here. Farmers that plant their crops in the flood zone down by the river have my admiration. Every year they plant the same place and every year there's a flood that destroys half the crops. But what do they do the next year? They come and Plant it again. I know there's subsidies and I know the government helps out and there's crop insurance and all that kind of stuff. But you still got to admire somebody that says I planted there and, and half of it didn't come up or, or a portion of it didn't come up. But next year, I'm going back again. I'm going to work all year on my equipment. I'm going to get the right kind of seed. I'm going to strategize how I'm going to lay it out. And then I'm going to go plant it again. That's the mentality of a farmer if he wants a harvest. Amen. Here is, is something that is interesting that I uncovered. There's a study by Stat, uh, Stanford University and Santa Clara Universities that says uh, it shows that farmers and wherever there is country and regions where farmers are, there is a higher work ethic than other places where farmers are not. So a farmer's got to have a good work ethic if he wants to reap a harvest. Amen. Working for the harvest is not just hard work, it's dirty work. I've seen farmers working in mud and I've seen farmers working in dust and, and I know the mess of when they're harvesting that gets all over their equipment. And, and, and bless the Lord, man, they... they 
They drive these $250,000 rigs to, to go out here and harvest these crops, and they're invested in it. They're all in. The Bureau of Land Statistics did a study that shows that farmers, <clears throat> and I'm going to put this in because it's, it's not really a part of my message, but I think you need to hear this. Do you know the two jobs that has the highest level of happiness related to it in our country is logging and farming? That's, that's, that's coming from a statistics that I found online, so you know it's true, Bishop. I said that for Brother Pork's benefit right there, back there. But farmers, the studies have reported, show that they have the least stress from a lot of other jobs. Farmers, I never would have thought that. I thought farming would, first of all, it would kill this O'Gill guy. I wouldn't want to be a farmer. That's just not in my DNA. But I would have thought farming would have been the most stressful job, Brother Chris, that you could ever pick. But they found that farming has less stress than that of an insurance agent. Farming. Amen. The report shows that farmers have the least stressful work, but they are also among the most, their jobs is among the most painful with peril and high levels of pain and injury that can happen on the job, yet it is risky and they love it. Farmers love it. Aren't you glad there's some farmers that love it so we can eat? Yeah. Amen. Farming, why is it so important and why do they love it? It's because it becomes a lifestyle. And when farming becomes a lifestyle, it becomes part of the family. It becomes part of the culture. Amen. And so farming is back-breaking work. It is painful, but there's some joy that is into it. Let me just tell you that in talking about the kingdom harvest, the way that you and I will reap of harvest is that when it becomes our lifestyle, when it becomes our culture, when it becomes our family, when we live every morning to find somebody to tell about Jesus, when we live every day to pray and intercede for a lost person, amen, it must not be that it's just perilous and it's painful and it's a lot of hard work, amen, but there's joy, there's joy in this harvest. Many ways in the Bible, the, the kingdom harvest is a lot like the natural harvest. In the book of Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, you know this verse, but let me remind you. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. How many know you reap what you sow? Not karma, harvest. Amen. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And this is a verse we need to put into our farmer makeup, our harvester mentality. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, somebody say due season. 
due season. We shall reap if we faint not. Amen. We are living in an hour where there is a harvest to be rendered. There are souls to be saved. There is victory to be won. There is a last day awakening, I believe, that can happen to you and to me. Amen. It is time to say, I will not be deceived. I will not be weary. I will not be all tuckered out. I will not give in. I'm a heavenly farmer. I'm going to get back up on that plow. I'll plow some more. I'll plant some more. I'll water some more because I'm believing harvest day is coming. Harvest day is coming. We give up so quickly. We pray for them for a day. And if they don't get saved, we give up. Amen. I'm telling you, farmers don't give up. When the weather is bad and they lose half of their crops, we may not win every person we talk to. Every person that we give a Bible study to may not receive it. But I want to tell you, we still go out planting, sowing, watering, cultivating, working. Amen. And loving every bit of it. Loving every moment of it as a child of God. Can somebody lift your hands and praise the Lord of the harvest? I like the amplified version of Galatians 6 and 7. Do not be deceived and deluded and misled. God will not allow himself to be sneered, scorned, disdained, or mocked by mere pretense or professions or by his precepts being set aside. He inevitably deludes himself who attempts to delude God. For whatever a man sows... That shall he also reap. God is not going to be mocked. You farmers, hear me today. You spiritual kingdom farmers, God's not going to be mocked in what your work is. He's going to bring something to pass. Just hold on. Paul said it like this about spiritual harvest. He said, he that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. So if that is true, then what we put in, it's going to be important. The level of work is going to be important. We've already preached. Jesus said in Matthew 9, he said, the laborers are few. The laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest to go send forth laborers into his harvest. We must have faith for the harvest. Passion for the harvest. Jesus said, my meat, my passion is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. You sold me a soul winner and I'll show you somebody that is passionate about the kingdom of God. You show me somebody that will reach out to a, a, a person and help them and love them. There's somebody that has caught the meat of Jesus' mission and that is to do the will of the Father. The will of the Father is to love people, to help people, and to serve people wherever we are. There is also a connection between the expectation of the natural harvest and the expectation of a spiritual harvest. The psalmist said, he that goeth forth, in Psalm 126 and 6, he that goeth forth, weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless, shall doubtless, shall doubtless, shall doubtless, shall doubtless, 
Somebody say, I'm going to get a harvest. Shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. One day I'm walking into church with somebody. I'm going to walk into the house of God and I'm going to thank the Lord and watch them get baptized, watch them get full of the Holy Ghost, watch them become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Oh, but I got to sow. I have to work. I have to cultivate. I've got to fertilize. For that to happen, there can be an expectation of the harvest. Again, there is a lot of natural connotation in Scripture between a harvest and a spiritual harvest and a natural harvest. But I want to talk to you about the unconventional side. There's a conventional side, then there is an unconventional side. Amen. Jesus said, Say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh the harvest. He said, I want you to lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. In the natural season, it wasn't harvest time yet. But you see, when you have the Lord of the harvest working in that operation, he can take it from planting, watering to working and he can shorten the season from months to weeks to days to moments. That is the unconditional or unconventional way that this harvest works is that if we will work it, he will do what we cannot do. As the Lord of the harvest, I've already preached to you about that. Amen. But we've got to have a vision. What is our vision? We've got to get past the curse of someday. Someday we're going to have a harvest. Someday it's going to be October. Someday we're going to have an end time move. Someday we're going to have revival. Someday we're going to see so and so pray through. Someday we're going to see that backslider walking. Can I tell you with Jesus, it can turn from someday to a suddenly. It can turn from a moment to right now. Right now. Amen. Let's not put God in a box and say, I've got to work so long and so hard for there to be a harvest. The Lord shows us if he shows up, if Jesus shows up, I feel my help. If Jesus shows up, he can bring revelation in a moment. He can bring enlightenment in a moment. It's time to get out of the shadow and the curse of someday. When our building is just right. When we finish this project. When we've got this in order. I want to tell you that yes, we need process. And yes, we need product. But God can help us in the process. He can take something, well, that needs a long time. No, he can do in a moment and tell us in a moment what to do and how to do it. But not only that, he can go from process to harvest in a fraction of a second. Because he's the Lord of the harvest. Well, when somebody teaches me how to teach a Bible study, I'm going to go out. Someday, I'm going to my neighbor's house. Someday, I'm witnessing to my coworker. Someday, I'm going after that backslidden 
a cousin of mine. Someday, I'm going to have lunch with so-and-so. Someday, one of these days, I'm going to see, amen. Well, can I tell you? Someday is now. Someday is now. We do not have time to wait. Amen. Another another year or two or ten years. We need it now, Lord. If he said it in Samaria, if he said it about a woman of ill repute at a well that was not supposed to have anybody talking to her. Well, Jesus can take a moment and bring revelation and turn things around and revival breaks out in the city in just that. Oh, but it's going to take somebody that believes it. You got to believe it. You got to believe it. We're going to still have to work. We're going to still have to work. And here's the crazy thing about an unconventional harvest is that you can be sowing and working on this person and God take that and raise up this person to their harvest. Somebody that you never expect. Somebody that you never thought in your mind. Amen. But God said, I work in unconventional ways. I work in supernatural ways. If you'll do the work, if you'll do the watering, if you'll preach the word, if you'll share your story if you will do your part I'm going to step in and say don't look for four months don't look for three months don't look for two months right now right now lift up your eyes when we live in a someday mentality our eyes are here we see all the issues. We see all the problems. We see that they are drug addicts. We see that they are there. I'm going to say something here right now. The day will come we will have transgendered people that need the Lord. That have had surgeries. But the same God. The same God that birthed that child can put everything back in its right place in a moment. That's the kind of God that I serve. If he can open blind eyes, then why can't he create, amen, that which has been destroyed? I believe today this ought to be a theme of ours. We're not living for a someday revival. We are living for a right now revival. We're not living for a someday God is going to move. We are living for every Sunday. Every Sunday. God, what are you going to do? Be prepared for people that you least expect. People that you thought would never accept the word of God. Never accept Jesus' name baptism. Never accept the infilling of the Holy Ghost. God could take them. Let me talk to you about a suddenly harvest. My father came back home from World War II. He married my mom before the war. When he got out of the war, he had, their, their little boy was about, I don't know how old my brother was, maybe about three years old, four years old at the time. My dad went to R.G. Letourneau University. He got a GI Bill, and his, his wishes was to go and be a bridge builder. So he was studying engineering. This would have been in 1948. 
He was studying engineering. He was studying all the different maths that had to go with that. His head was cloudy and he was sitting at his desk or at the table, the dining room table, he said, and, and he was preparing for his Bible study class that he was teaching at a Baptist church. And before him, you see, my dad during World War II started uh, smoking heavenly. And during the war, he was smoking four packs of cigarettes a day and chewing a plug of tobacco at night. When he come back, uh, he, was, he was so captivated by that that he smoked three packs of cigarettes a day. He had ashes balled up over, over the, that, that dish that was an ashtray or something. And it said, it, he said, God struck him and something hit him. And he said, Lord, if you will help me, I'll never smoke again. And he pushed those cigarettes away. My dad from that day never smoked again. Somebody say a suddenly moment. A suddenly moment. An unconventional harvest. My dad read his Bible and studied his Bible, and he was walking down the hallway of R.G. Letourneau College. It is now a university, and he's walking. And he had his books in his hand, and on top of them, he was reading his Bible. And as he walked down the hall, he said, a light brighter than the, than the fluorescent lights down that hall, a light shone on his Bible. When he looked, it fell on Acts 2.38. This is not some story that I'm pulling off of the internet. This happened to my mom and my dad. And, and my dad read that. And he said a voice began to speak to him. that said, pull off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. Pull off your shoes. He said it played like a broken record. He went to the library in R.G. Luterno College and started pulling off books and, and began to study. And he found out in the books and the reference books and the encyclopedias that the original formula for baptism was done in the name of Jesus and was changed by the Nicene Council some 300 years later. He went home, found my mom, who was the daughter of a Baptist pastor, and found my mom and said, Honey, here's what God has revealed to me. God has revealed that we need to be baptized in Jesus' name. They went and got clothes and towels, got in their car and didn't wait for a service, didn't wait for whatever. They didn't know. They just realized a revelation had hit them. And they went until they found a church. And in that church, uh, uh, they went to some others and they didn't baptize in Jesus' name. And they went on until one day they walked into this church. Standing on a ladder was a man in bibbed overalls, changing a light. And my dad walks in and he says, do you baptize in Jesus' name? The man said, yes, sir, we sure do. He said, well, we've come to be baptized. We have come to be baptized. You can believe what you want to. You can think whatever you want to. But there's a revelation that God is going to pour out in these last days on people. And it's going to be a sudden moment. And it's not going to be because we've worked and planted and worked and planted alone. It's not going to be because we're waiting for a someday moment. We are waiting for an unconventional revival. We are waiting for God to step in and break through revelation. Conviction, revelation, and conviction. When he come out of the water, there was a man standing there and says, now you need to receive the Holy Ghost. My dad had heard about those crazy tongue talkers, you know. 
But God filled my father with the Holy Ghost. And because of that unconventional moment, my dad's mom and my mom's life was changed forever. My dad became a preacher of the gospel, preached this truth for many years, produced five boys. My oldest brother died at the age of 22, and he had already started a work in Mexico. Just about every one of my family had to make a decision what they're going to do. But I will tell you, being the baby of the family and the last one, I am forever changed because I watched my mom and dad live out what happened to them in an unconventional moment. You see, there is a plan that God has that's not based on your planning. It's not based on your watering, though you ought to plant and though you ought to water. It is about look on the field for they are now white to harvest. Stop saying they'll never. Stop saying it'll never. Stop saying they won't return. Start saying, I'm looking for an unconventional, miraculous. I'm looking for a miraculous moment. It's time we get surprised by God. It's time we get surprised by God. It's time that we get surprised by God. It is time that we get... Stop looking and saying the harvest is this and the harvest is that. No, he said, look up, lift up your head for there is a harvest now. That backslider's coming back now. That sinner is being saved now. My time for revival and MPC is now. It is time to come to the moment in this moment to say, I'm not going to gripe about that neighbor and his purple hair. I'm going to be like Jesus that goes to the well and he's waiting. He's waiting for that woman to show up at a time that women are not supposed to be there. Because she was a reject. She was an outcast. Nobody wanted her. It's time for us to see that our harvest is going to be connected with those that are outcast, unwanted. Nobody understands them. They are the ones that are the, 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 the deplorable, the unacceptable. Years ago, my dad was preaching a revival in West Virginia. A man walked in as drunk as a skunk and smelt like one too. That man came to the altar and knelt down. My dad said he, had, he went to go pray with him. And as he was praying with him, he had to turn his head because he smelled so bad. 
And the Lord smote him and said, that's the kind I came for. Oh, my dad got off with Austin, got his arm around him, started hugging him and was praying with him and kept praying with him. Amen. And we left, didn't know what happened to that guy. Even after that, we were back in West Virginia. The next year, my dad was preaching. A man walks in. He had a nice suit and tie on, comes up and he says, do you know who I am? He said, no, I don't, sir. I don't know you. He said, I am that drunk that you prayed for. I was now he's in a, a clean outfit and he smells nice and his hair is done. Why? Because there is a God that works in an unconventional way. Let's not put him in a box. Let's not put our prayers in the box. Let's not put our backslidden loved ones in the box. Let us say, oh God, let you have your way. Finally, the woman shows up and he says, would you give me something to drink? She looked at him knowing that he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. Samaritans were half-breeds. Mixed race. Oh, I could preach a little while right here. Oh, I love everybody, but don't let somebody walk in in a mixed race relationship. We can't accept that. Because that's our world that we live in. It is our world that we He went intentionally to a mixed race culture and was waiting for one woman. Waiting for one woman. A woman that had been married five times and was shacked up with number six. He's waiting for that kind of person. That is going to be the key. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here. A key to an unconventional, miraculous revival. Her, no way. Her, there ain't no way that that's going to be the key. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. She shows up. She's talking to him. She says, how do you, how, how do you talk to me? You're a Jew, and, 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 and I'm a Samaritan. I'm a half-breed, and I'm here because I, I, no, no woman wants to be around me. I'm counted as a whore and an outcast. But Jesus says, if you knew, if you knew what I have to offer, you would say, give me a drink. If the world knew the Jesus that you and I know, they would be asking us, what do you have to drink? Amen. I've tried this and I've tried that and it's not satisfied. What do you have for me to drink? I've got living water. He took, he took her on the education of worship. He took her on the education of the Hebrew and the, and the, and, and the Samaritan way of worship. But finally, she said, are you the Christ? And he admitted, the first time he publicly admitted to an individual was an outcast, was a has-been, was a, a, a person of ill repute, a, a failure if you please. But he told her, he said, I'm the Messiah. 
I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. And you know what? She leaves her water pot. She leaves her water pot and she runs as a missionary back to Samaria and she says, come see a man who told me everything. Is not this the Christ? You see, God can take one person and turn what was supposed to be a harvest of months into a harvest of just moments. Moments. Hallelujah. Lift your hands right now in this place. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Darlington, Brother Darlington, I want you to hear me. God sent you here, didn't he? God sent you here. He didn't just send you here for us to help you. But he sent you to be a help to us. Amen. You see that? You're here today because of him, right? You see, you and I have got to see beyond, well, that's four months. There's this. There's that. We've been here 110 years. So? Why not now we say the harvest for me and my generation is not waiting until... We get to a certain place and we have this many people and we got this many ministries and we're working in so many places, but there's something boiling inside of us that says, I must needs go through Samaria. I must reach out. Must reach out. Would you love him just for a moment? God, you work where I cannot. You work in the harvest. You work in the harvest. Unconventionally. Praise God. Brother calls Sister Audrey, come here. Praise God. Isn't this a beautiful couple? Amen. Aren't you thankful that, that when y'all got married, you stayed? Praise God. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're here too, but you know. We had a, a revival with Brother Benson. You remember revival and a lot of the things that he said started dealing with situation. This couple came to us and said, Pastor, we want to do something. We want to do something. Am I telling the truth? We want to do something in outreach. They didn't come looking for a position. They didn't come looking for a title. They didn't come looking for anything, but help us know what to do. But I want to introduce you tonight to the 24 outreach directors that starting this year, this couple is going to be working in the field of outreach, intentionally working... They are going to need your help. Yes. 
Amen. They can organize and they can set up things and it may look like it's a natural thing, but when you go on a natural thing, I want you to believe that you're sowing spiritual seed by being kind, by loving people. Amen. By reaching into our community. Hallelujah. We have got to be intentional about the harvest and this is a step. There are other steps, but I wanted tonight to introduce this couple right here. This guy has his dad's gift. He doesn't meet a stranger. He can talk to anybody and everybody anywhere. Amen. And this, this young lady can put some things together that's going to help. Why? We have got to have an unconventional harvest. We have got to have an unconventional not just playing things, not just organize things, but everybody saying, I'm a harvester, I'm a farmer, and I love my job. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord, right now in your name, God, I pray for this couple. Lord, I pray, God, that you would use them. Set them on fire for you spiritually today. God, I believe, Lord, that you're able, God, hallelujah, to take their heart and their passion and turn it into a work. God, let them be a soul winner for you like never before. God, I believe, Lord, you're able in the name of Jesus. Woo! Yay, Lord, thank you Praise God. Give the Lord a hand for Cole and Audrey. I don't know what all is going to happen through their ministry, but I'm declaring an unconventional harvest through your ministry. An unconventional harvest. I could preach to you more in this message, but I feel the need to be, be bringing it to an end. I'll start this back up next Sunday, the Lord willing. Will you, will you commit with pastor not to put God up in a box? There's some of you right now that think your parents will never be saved. They would never accept this. All it takes is I must need to go through Brownstown. I must need to go through Salem, Seymour, Bedford, Medora. All it takes is a one moment of Christ to change that. That's what we pray. Lord, change their heart in a moment. Change their heart in a moment. Praise God. I want you to go down to Houston. I want you to touch Simon right now. I want you to touch Simon right now in an unconventional way, in a way that he can't explain away as an emotion or news or last days. Oh, God, I want you to go right there, right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Does anybody have some lost loved ones you would like to see saved? Why don't you stand to your feet right now and begin to pray an unconventional prayer, a prayer of faith. A prayer of faith that says, God, I believe you to do what I cannot do. And I know, Lord, you're, you're going to work in this, this hour, Lord. I'm not looking for four months and six months and a year or two or three. I claim the harvest now. We are living in the last days. Any harvesters want to come to the altar right now, this is your time. Amen. Sign up, farmers. Sign up. 
kingdom harvesters sign up in this place in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. We are preparing to go. We are getting ready to go. We are getting ready to march further than we've ever marched before. We are declaring baptisms to be Lord in the name of Jesus. We are believing you, God, for altars to be full. We are believing you, God, Lord, for our families. God, to have a sudden moment. That grandson have a sudden moment. That granddaughter have a sudden moment. Lord, a moment like the well. A moment like the well. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. If you've never received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking of other tongues, you need to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The devil will say it's not for you. Well, I want to tell you, he's come too late. He's come too late. Amen. It's still working. The Lord is still filling people. Oh, God, I praise you today. I praise you today. Hallelujah. Is there any desperate harvesters in the house is there any desperate harvesters in the house is there any intercessory harvesters in the house Lord I praise you Lord I praise you today Lord I praise you today Lord I praise you today thank you for listening to the MPC podcast We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.